What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. And this week, we're going to be talking about the UFC pay-per-view going down this Saturday from Newark, New Jersey, UFC 288, headlined by Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo for the UFC Bantamweight Championship. Got a five-round co-main event with Bilal and Burns as well. Um, I'll be in attendance for the card. Uh, excited for this one, and uh, I'm joined by Ozzy as always. What's up this week, my man? Yo, what's going on? We got our uh, our our uh, pay per view card for May, starting off the uh, the summer swing, I guess. Almost we're getting to uh, well, but uh, but yeah, it was a good card last week. I think you know, kind of flew under radar. I was on vacation. I was down in New Orleans. I didn't get to catch uh, the fights live. I did watch a few of them back, um, and I saw that song you don't like. I was pretty uh pretty cool. But uh, but yeah, cool. You know, we're looking into this card here. It's not the strongest. We lost, you know, obviously we lost that Bryce fight, um, and, and all. But uh, I'm super intrigued always to see Sterling fight. You know, uh, Cejudo's one of the best fighters probably of all time. He'll go down. You know, one of the light, uh, definitely the lighter weight classes. So yeah, I'm excited to uh to check it out. Did you rewatch the Martin Boudet fight? Did you Did you check that? Huh. Out? I <laughs> I didn't watch the whole thing, but I was like, let me watch this third round. So I did watch a bit of the third round. Um, and I mean, I just thought like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how why, why this is worth arguing, but um, what happened? Like, what what happened is what I thought was gonna happen. Like, yeah, sure, Jake Collier probably can win for the first round more often than any of the other rounds. So I figured, you know, this guy would lose two out of the three rounds. Okay, who cares which rounds they are? <laughs> but yeah, he's gonna lose uh, the third I mean, round. He's gonna lose the third round so many different times in any kind of fight. Like the guy, he's totally exhausted, dude. He can't even get up. So like, I don't know. Yeah, it was a good week for me. All all six track bets wins, six for six. Um, pretty remarkable stuff there. Marcus McGee came through big, uh, starting the card off as a dog. Durden as well. Adolfo Vieira rose from the dead as always. Uh, my Adolfo's main event. A, Adolfo's a main event. Round four starts. Round four bet one. So it was pretty good. Pretty it good. Was solid. Oh, solid. You know, you know, a few a few bad leans over there. I think I think what we say. Quinlan got steamed. You liked him. Um, but uh, that and then uh, and then Mikal. You know, Mikal. Mikal didn't do shit. But yeah, I, don't, good, I mean, I don't think he was an awful bet. Good play with Padilla. Um, you know, Budai, I would say, uh, even, even fading Egger. So it was a good event. Yes, it was, but we got 14 fights going on this weekend. So we got to get into these things and they're, they're starting off in the, uh, Bantamweight division. Daniel Willie Cat Santos taking on Johnny Munoz Jr. Uh, Willie Cat minus 186 Munoz plus 161. I think the, the favorite in, in Santos should win the fight. I mean, this guy is just a fucking truck, man. Never stops coming. Uh, you know, Ozzy and I bet on sexy Mexi in the last fight, you know, probably should have knocked this guy out like two or three separate times. And this guy somehow just kept on going and his cardio was just remarkable. Um, uh, you got to think Munoz is going to look to grapple in this fight. And so I went back and rewatched Santos's fight, um, against uh, some Russian gentleman. His name is uh, Kalimov. And I just liked what I saw from there. I know he lost the fight, but I just thought his defensive grappling, all his instincts looked good. That was a few years ago. I just think that he's going to be able to avoid the grappling attack of Munoz. And I think he's probably going to outstrike him and, you know, break him in the second half of this fight. So I think, uh, honestly, the juice on uh, Santos is probably fine here. 
Uh, interesting fight here. You know, you got two, you know, stylistic clash. Uh, you know, Munoz kind of trains a lot with the, you know, the Mexican team, you know, uh, Brandon Moreno, a lot of these guys, jujitsu base on the ground. He's fantastic. Um, so he definitely has a baseline for, for winning this fight and most fights, which is kind of snake into your back and a really naked choke. Um, but his takedowns aren't the best, but he is, a, I would say, the better athlete in this fight, uh, which I think would kind of go under the radar um, in terms of just, you know, I, obviously Santos, like you said, has great cardio, but I, I feel that uh, Munoz in the grappling exchanges um, will, with he's kind of quick there, uh, very strong as well when he's able to lock his hands. So if he could keep, you know, uh, Santos at bay a little bit with that boxing stance and, you know, staying long, which he is a bit, you know, tall, you know, tall and long, I would say, for the weight classes, uses his kicks well. I think he can make it competitive on the feet um, if he can keep him back and, and get respect um, and then try to, you know, get a takedown here and there uh, and progress position quick. So I think it's a competitive fight still. Um, I'd be interested you know, in a, in a submission price, if you could get a good price, but this will be a pass fight for me for the first fight of the night. Yeah. One point though, is his ITD is plus 425. All sub is only 500. So, um, probably better off just sticking with the ITD, but, um, fun fight to start the card. Next fight, low level fight in the middleweight division, Claudio Hibero taking on Joseph Holmes, uh, Hibero minus 175 slow what is this guy named slow joe or something minus ugly one, joe or plus one fifth ugly ugly joe ugly uh joe. slow would work too um what do you think about ugly joe here um yeah man i i would say this is an interesting fight to just consistently back an underdog here um there's not really that much that distinguishes claudio herbero to have him be a minus 200 175 favorite over a guy in home who you know, he trains with a legit camp. He's kind of, you know, does jujitsu, right? He's kind of like had a few submission, you know, wins in the past. He's beaten a few guys. He lost to Iron Turtle, who Iron Turtle is is kind of like a stud, kind of just not that athletic of a guy, but, you know, really, really skilled and really, really talented. So I can understand. And I feel that just going with the underdog here in a, in a fight like this where you know, he has some attributes, right? He's tall, long jab. Has some power on the feet, kind of, you know, can maybe neutralize uh, the the explosiveness, the explosiveness of uh, Hibero, um, and drag the fight along. Maybe later, and you know, maybe pick up a finish, get him to the ground, hold him, you know, for a for a decision. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'll take Holmes. You know, plus one fifty five is a is a ticket I have a small one, so I'll, I'll roll with him. Yeah, it's it's Holmes this week for sure. I mean. This is a, a really low-level fight, right? Both these guys suck. Some people might say, oh, Holmes sucks too bad to to bet. But I would argue that Ribeiro sucks uh, an equal amount, possibly even worse, and he's minus 200. So, I mean, I know Holmes isn't a guy you can't get excited to bet about, but, I mean, we're betting numbers here. Plus 176 to fade Ribeiro. I mean, Ribeiro looked shit three months ago. He got knocked out in that fight. And then his fight against uh, Albuquerque, who is a uh, 39-year-old regional tier Brazilian middleweight, um, you know, he got taken down in that fight. He got pushed against the cage. He got put in all types of bad positions. Albuquerque record 24-20 and 20 at the time of that fight. Um, and, you know, I just think that people are looking at uh, Ribeiro. Oh, he knocked this guy out on 30 seconds in the contender series. He's a vicious puncher. But, I, I mean, I think the guy, honestly, is terrible. And I think Holse, uh, um, Holmes' game, of uh 
pushing him against the cage, maybe getting a body lock takedown, trying to implement a back take, I think could actually be, uh, you know, a good strategy here. And even on the feet, guys, are we really sure that Ribeiro has a, an advantage on the feet? Or could this just be a 50-50 swing it match on the feet? So I like Holmes here. Uh, one unit bet plus 176. Um, first dog of the night for me. Many more to come. Uh, flyweight division next. The legends, Zalgaz Jumagulov taking on Rafael Estevam. The line for this one, Estevam minus 182, Zumagulov plus 157. Poor Zumagulov, man. This guy's got some awful luck on the wrong end of uh, three split decisions that the majority of people thought he won. Uh, well, actually, Paiva wasn't a split decision, um, but a lot of people thought he beat Paiva. Everyone thought he beat Molina. Majority of people thought he beat Charles Johnson. So, I mean, this guy just had bad luck, and luckily the UFC has given him another chance. But I think that that record of his, those, you know, he's one in five in the UFC. I think that's probably actually getting us a better price on Zumagulov here because, um, Estevam looks like a, a good grappler. We've seen him grapple in his two most recent fights. Uh, a lot of his fights before that aren't available. Um, but, you know, he just he outgrappled two bad opponents in his last fight. And I just think the market is far too high on this guy. I mean, Zuma Gulov is, is extremely proven at the high level. Um, you know, been been fighting at the high level of flyweight for well over five years now. And this is really Estevam's first fight at the highest level of flyweight. Um, so I just don't think I've seen nearly enough from Esteban to justify being a 65% favorite over Zumagulov. I've got a, a one-unit bet on Zumagulov here, uh, plus 160. Um, I just think that he the fight on the feet should probably favor him, and I trust his defensive grappling enough to avoid getting stuck on bottom for too long here. Um, and uh, yeah, just Esteban's too green, too unproven to trust him at this price. What are you thinking here? Yeah, you know, Zumagulov, um, <clears throat> he has a lot of facets to his game. Like, he's very competent in a lot of those, uh, a lot of places. And if you saw him in the uh, Manakop fight and then as well in the Charles Johnson fight, you kind of respect his striking a little bit more um, where he's kind of quick, right? In the beginning, he kind of commits he commits his strikes very, very well, throws in combination. Um, and he'll, he'll mix it up. You know, he's not, uh, he's not shy, you know, to get in there. Um, obviously it's bit him, you know, in certain fights or he's taking his foot off the, uh, off the gas pedal, right? Like in the Charles Johnson fight, but obviously you can't do that the whole fight. But my point is the guys fought a lot of different ways, right? But he, he coincidentally loses, right? <laughs> Very often. So maybe he should, uh, stick to one style, but, but either way, um, what I do think though, is that the grappling of Estevan is legit. Um, and I do think he is going to get some takedowns. And I feel that um, Zumagulov, while his grappling is okay and he, you know, has defended some takedowns, you know, well in the past and he's wrestling and this or that, he, I think he's going to give up some positions or let um, some positions happen that will cause him to lose the fight via grappling. So that's just my prediction on how I fight. Uh, I feel a matchup of like a jujitsu guy like this versus like a Samo guy like this at this 125 weight classes in a go. But, um, but I'm not going to get too involved on the betting side of things other than looking at this live. Because if, if it live is going a certain way, I think here in either direction, I think we could, uh, there, there could be a lot of value, whether that be uh, the Brazilian uh, tiring out, maybe from you know a, a grappling attack in the first round, and Zuma Magulov being able to come on, or maybe a little bit of that vice versa, where it's a little feeling out in that first round, and then uh, and then the Brazilian could get some of these takedowns. So 
I'm very inter- interested in this fight in a live perspective. All right, that'll move us along to another fight in the middleweight division where we have Ikram, Ali Skarov, Eric, Phil Hawes. Uh, the line for this one, Ali Skarov minus uh, 200. Phil Hawes coming back plus 170. Another one of these guys making their UFC debut off the Contender Series, taking on uh, a little bit of a veteran in Phil Hawes here. What are you thinking about this middleweight fight? Yeah, I was telling you before we started recording, this is a fight that I don't have a good read on who I think is going to win. But I do feel like I want to play the, the over, uh, over one and a half. Um, but I see it kind of two ways. Like with two guys like are this well-rounded, I feel they either, you know, uh, someone clips uh, one another early on or catches them, you know, one of them in the submission. Or it's a long fight, you know, where maybe the, it, like it's like a long, crazy fight or it's a long, boring fight. One of the two ways, right? Um, that's just how I feel matchups like this go with two guys well-rounded. Phil Hawes, right? He has the wrestling. Um, he's got striking, but he's kind of like learned to pace himself. Doesn't take, you know, big shots too well. But I- Ikram, I don't think he, he's not that much of a power puncher, I feel, um, that he could make uh, Phil Hawes pay. So that's why I kind of could see this fight go over. But you never kind of know with Phil Hawes. He kind of shows up a little bit different. He has spent some time in Tiger Muay Thai uh, recently. But yeah, I would lean to the over. Um, and obviously, people did gobble up a lot of that Phil Hawes plus money. So that looks like the sharp side overall. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is typically profitable um, back in these uh, these Russian favorites. That some of these, like, you know, favorite prices if it goes under minus 200 historically. Yeah, this line has really come down a lot. People, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago were, were on to something here with Hawes at like plus 250. Even at this current price, I'm a little tempted by the value on Hawes here. Um, just because uh, Alice Garoff, I mean, the guy is his bread and butter is grappling, right? I don't think that his wrestling is that great. And I also think that his jujitsu control on the ground isn't anything to write home about either. I mean, he fought Dennis Tululin, controlled him for 10 minutes before eventually submitting him in like the 12th minute of that fight. And we know Tululin is just a horrendous defensive grappler. And um, he goes for that Kimura, but I feel like, I don't know. Uh, being in side control against middleweights, I feel like guys should be able to, you know, kind of explode out of these positions. And it's just, I don't understand how that many guys are getting caught with that Kimura. There's no chance Alex Garov would, would Kimura me with that. Um, and I don't think he's getting hauls with that either. So I think that Alex Garov is going to attempt some takedowns here. We might see some competitive grappling exchanges, but I would be pretty surprised to see Alex Garov um, submit Phil Hawes here. I think this fight will see the second half of the fight, but the, the, the odds are indicating that this fight is going to end inside the distance heavily. Uh, even the over one and a half is only at minus one twenty-five. I think that might be a good angle for this fight, playing it to go over one and a half. Um, and I just think on the feet, I haven't seen anything from it, Alice Carroll that impresses me. So I actually give uh, Phil Halls the advantage if this fight stays on the feet. And it really comes down to a, vent, a, a, a question of how good is uh, Halls' takedown defense. And being a career wrestler, I just um, I think that he'll pretty he'll hang pretty well here in the defensive grappling and uh, it'll just play out a lot closer than this line indicates um also guys just look at the alaskara versus nashan burrell fight i mean just really competitive fight against uh you know a, a a regional journeyman in that fight just about a year ago so i'm not sold on alaskara yet he's gonna have to prove something to me 
Um, but Hall is coming off that KO to Delizze. Um, definitely not in- encouraging um, there. You know, the guy's chin has always sucked, and now he has another KO loss. So uh, his chin could be potentially gone. So I would tread lightly, but I, I think I'll end up with a smaller uh, size bet on Phil Hall's here. And that'll take us to another one of these, you know, UFC guys versus a guy making his UFC debut. Parker Porter, minus 177. Braxton Smith, plus 152. Man, Braxton Smith fights are a riot to watch, guys. I mean, it can probably only take you like seven minutes to watch all the fights. But, I mean, he is, the bodies are hitting the floor in these fights, man. He is knocking guys out. There's one where he's fighting this guy who is like must be like a hometown guy. And like every time this guy throws a shitty combination, like the crowd goes crazy. And then he's coming forward all recklessly and Braxton just head kicks him and knocks him out. And the crowd is so silent afterwards. It's great. Um, But, uh, you know, the guy has never fought past two minutes, literally never fought past two minutes. Um, Only been really a pro MMA fighter for a year, essentially. Um, And. Man, it's just there's so many question marks about this guy. He might come out here and and kill Porter in the first round. But I mean, I think there's all the proof in the world to say that that this guy's cardio and his output is not going to hold up well uh, past, you know, a few minutes. And if it gets into the the second round, he'll probably be uh, dead tired and it'll be all porker from that point. But um, I like the under one and a half here. I bet it at a better price than it is now uh, at minus 160. It's up to, you know, 185 now. Um, I just think that the Braxton is going to come out so heavy and aggressive that he's either going to finish Porter or he will gas out and get finished himself in under one and a half. Um, but I wouldn't go crazy on it. I mean, Porter did fail to finish. Uh, Chase Sherman failed to finish Alan Badeau. Uh, so I don't think like Porter who like, was, is like a lock here. Who was, who was Porter's initial? Did he have who was his initial opponent? No, this was this was it all along. <laughs> <laughs> No idea no. how Braxton, no. Braxton, Braxton high rolled his way in the UFC. This he, is, he fought this has been eleven months ago. Yeah, five five fights in eleven <laughs> months. Longest fight, two minutes and three seconds. Five knockouts in round one. Um, wow. Incredible stuff. Wow, what St- do we think? Stuff a legend fighting out of Austin, Texas. So you better respect. Like he, man, you, somebody needs to check if he's been in any of these B team. He's been training with fucking Donaher down there. I don't. know. <laughs> Someone needs to figure that out. Um, I need that information. Okay. Um, but man, I like Porter here. I think I think Porter here is going to 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 withstand these blows here. Um, and and then at some point, this guy, the problem with him is he's got a lot of problems. Uh, one of the biggest problems is he might just fall over himself because he's just kind of flailing his uh his body all around. So I think Porter, he, this guy should bounce off of Porter at some point. Porter lands on top of him um, and, and, and does some bad things to him. But I need to know if, if this guy's been working with Donaher, Gary Tonin, any of these guys down there in Austin, all right? So anybody knows any of that info, you know, comment below, leave, send me a DM, you know, hook it up. Yes, like Yo Gotti said, it goes down in the DMs. So that'll bring us next to uh, the women's strawweight division. Marina Rodriguez, Verna, Jane Radoba, Brazilian uh, strawweight showdown here. Uh, Marina, slight favorite, minus 143. Verna, plus 123. Pretty binary striker versus grappler matchup here. Who are we going with, Ozzy? Um, man, you know, the value, like, is was on the Verna Jane Radoba side, obviously, right? The girl's got... 
tons of submissions, right? Like 20, 19 submissions on her record. Tons of submissions. Submits a lot of girls, right? Hasn't had, t- uh, you know, too many. They're come like a little bit few and far between, you know, in the UFC. But, you know, she's legit on the ground, Um, you know, gets takedowns. That's at, thir- that's at 18. That's 13. But, uh, you know, gets takedowns, you know, scoops up, you know, uh, uh, lower body takedowns, which I love to see. Goes for submissions transitions well has you know uh submissions from her back you know and marina rodriguez has nothing from her back um and the the bad thing with marina is her volume on the feet is kind of slow and methodical um but and especially if she has to worry about a takedown you know it's kind of kind of mess with her you know a bit if you look back at like the michelle waterson fight you know the john john fight like the girl sometimes is in a rut um but when she's in the zone she's pretty good you know with with her muay thai and stuff like that but verna she doesn't know how to stop right she'll kind of like keep coming forward she's kind of like zombie and out there so i think she should probably get some takedowns maybe it could you know end up being a close fight don't really want to bet it you know obviously verna side at that plus though pass it over to you Yep, I got some of that Verna at plus one forty eight. Oh, um, the live movement. You are the movement. You are the wave. Yeah, I am. I am the market. Yes, that's true. Um, she doesn't have. She only has eighteen wins, so I don't know how she could have nineteen. No, I know. I know. Um, I messed up. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my, it'll probably be a nineteenth win this weekend. I mean, um, you know, when the fight's on the feet, uh, I think Marina. I think Verna has a pretty good idea that she sucks at striking, right? And she knows that to how to stay on the outside. She knows how to stay outside of kicking range, and then she times her her entry pretty well. And I just think that if you know, Mar- if Verna doesn't oblige in in striking, how is Marina going to do that? She's going to have to come forward. She's going to have to pressure Verna. She's going to have to land her own strikes, and she's going to have to successfully defend the takedowns coming at her. I mean, that's just too much to ask from her at this favorite of a price because we we've seen it time and time again when marina gets taken down she's terrible off of her back her her defensive take uh, her defensive wrestling isn't good it's not atrocious but her bottom game is atrocious she really doesn't know how to get off her back and it seems like she almost makes a conscious effort of i don't want to get submitted let me just lay here and guard and you know mitigate risk and we'll try again next round so if we're at the point where one takedown could be an entire round for verna i mean i i like her at that plus 150 i mean it was an easy bet at that price where it's at now plus 120 something i still think um there's probably value this should probably just be like a pick them to me and i think just verna has the much bigger potential to to be like a hindsight big favor here. I mean, if Marina stuffs all these shots and outstrikes Verna, it would be honestly one of her best performances to date. I mean, it would be a better win than, um, you know, Michelle Waterson or uh, a split decision over Yan, who, which she might not even have deserved. Um, but like, I don't know, that would be pretty impressive if she's able to do this. And I don't know, man, I, I, does anybody else think Marina is getting worse? Like, I think she, I, that that last fight against Lemos, I thought she looked horrible in every second of that fight. I mean, just low initiative, low output, very little aggression. And, you know, she let she let Lemos do what she wanted to her. So um, I like Verna here. She should get the takedowns. She should win the round off of one takedown. Might even submit Marina here. But I think it'll actually go the distance. I think it'll be, uh, you know, rounds one and two for Verna. Marina will win round three. It won't be enough. And we get a 29-28. For Verna, Verna, 
one of probably one of the hottest women on the roster too. So um happy to bet her in this spot. Welterweight division next. Chaos Williams taking on Rolando Badoya. That's a pretty, pretty cool name. Um Chaos favored minus 315. Badoya plus 265. I mean, Badoya doesn't look any good to me. I mean, he's knocking a few guys out on the regional scene. Um, but I, I don't think it translates here. He, he's very sloppy. He, he got rocked real badly in the Otolora fight, just uh, his second most recent fight. Um, the Dorda fight, I mean, he's fighting a low-level guy. Um, he, he has him nearly knocked out. He has him, you know, one punch away from getting knocked out and he just can't seem to finish this guy. And then he eventually, you know, submits him with the darts later in the round. But I, I thought to myself, if he has this door to guy, you know, on the verge of being knocked out and still couldn't find the kill shot to, to knock him out. Um, how is he going to be chaos? Because I think the way he wins is, is knocking chaos out on the feet. Uh, but I just, I'm not impressed with this guy's power, man. I really, I'm really not. I think chaos is going to have speed advantage, power advantage, probably a durability advantage here too. So I think this should be all chaos for a KO. What are you thinking? I don't have real thoughts uh, about this fight. Um, yeah, I mean, chaos, I think is he's, he's durable. He knows how to use his boxing pretty well. Um, you know, I think this guy eventually will probably get himself face planted, uh, at some point. So I think chaos will, will likely knock him out. Um, but I mean, you know, chaos, sometimes he swings wild and stuff like that. So this guy is tougher than I give him credit for. Um, maybe he could like pick up a take, but I just don't see him really controlling, you know, chaos, even if he does take him down or something like that. So just a past fight. Um, not really that intrigued as chaos, honestly, as a prospect, but just style-wise, I don't really see this guy being that effective at all in the UFC, but especially against a, a big hitter. All right, we'll keep moving along to the next fight in the light heavyweight division. Dev Clark taking on Kennedy and Zetchiku, two of our uh, favorite fighters in the podcast here. And Zetchiku is the favorite at... Minus 180, Dev Clark plus 155. So we famously said, uh, I said in, in Dev Clark's last fight that he has become his deer tattoo on his chest. And then he shows up and puts together one of his best performances to date against Da Eun Jung. So um, what are you thinking about this matchup? Tough one to call here. That's right. That was, that was a funny one by you. Um, but yeah, you know, here against Kennedy, you know, Kennedy, he won that fight against Kudalaba, but obviously we kind of knew easily what was going to happen there um and you know even then kennedy was kind of losing early on because he was taken down but dev clark i just don't see him being able to finish kennedy on the ground you know um so but i do see him being able to potentially clip him on the feet um if he is committed so a committed dev clark here can find a finish or uh, find a victory here uh, i think it would have to be a gritty victory i think it would be a victory that would likely come over you know, a, a fight that goes later uh, here. So, you know, the over, though, is favored, the over two and a half. So you're kind of, a lot of people probably think about this fight, like how we think about Dev Clark is he's in the fold when Kennedy starts hitting him and all these kinds of things. But, you know, this fight should probably be a bit more competitive, you know, when, when, I'm, when you're thinking about it, actually. Um, so... I would lean for it to go the distance, but but I'm curious your thoughts on that. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, what are the odds for GTD? About even, even, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say it's even. Say it's that's even, valuable. Martian, not plus one hundred. All right, plus one hundred eight on some folks. Even. Um. Anyway, 
Um, yeah, I mean, so the line, the line here, the, I mean, they have Clark KO at plus 700, which is the most likely finish for him. And then Nzechiku KO at plus 150. So uh, the majority of the finishing equity is on Nzechiku here, which I do agree with Dev Clark, not much of a finisher. Um, but I mean, you know, Nzechiku is not very durable on the feet, so I, I could see it. Um, but yeah, I think Clark, I, he'll just attempt the right game plan here. You know, he's not going to stay at the end of Nzechiku's punches and try to kickbox with him. He's going to pressure. He's going to clinch. He's going to look to get the fight to the floor. And even if he can't get a takedown here, I think he could have success just cage pushing, uh, you know, using that head position, launching some combinations off the break in the clinch like he did versus Jung. Uh, and and Zetshuku can be held against the fence. We've seen that uh, time and time again, most recently against uh, Nigo Mariano, who I think is kind of just like a worse all-around version of Dev Clark. I think Dev probably does uh, everything a little bit better than, than Nigo Mariano does. And, uh, you know, uh, Nikolai was able to win, you know, the first seven or eight minutes of that flight, just, you know, pressuring, putting, uh, putting him against the cage. And I think Dev Clark could do the same here. So uh, the only way Kennedy is, is looking minus 180 is if he can get a, uh, extended distance striking exchanges and i don't know if he could do that man i mean this guy is so big and you know kind of clunky that i just don't trust his like lateral movement to be able to avoid the pressure of dev clark so if dev clark's pressuring him i don't see uh Nsechiku having the footwork to be able to stop that from putting his back against the cage and then once his back against the cage clark should be able to get some good work off there and uh possibly win some minutes and rounds and maybe even steal this decision away clark decision plus 310 i don't know um, I, I think Clark's the side at, at Moneyline. I haven't got myself to bet him yet because I have this feeling that he's going to win round one and then kind of wilt in the second or third rounds, maybe get finished. What is uh, in Zetshiku round, maybe in Zetshiku round two, three KO, maybe look into something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I say, I say Clark's the side, but I, I can't get myself to bet him here for some reason. Um, next fight is the last fight on the prelims. Drew Dober taking on Matt Favola, lightweight division. This fight should really be on the main card. It's kind of a sin. It's not. Um, but they have Drew Dober minus 210, Matt Favola plus 180. Another fight where I see, uh, you know, a, an advantage for Favola here at this underdog price. But I don't think I'll be getting myself to bet him. Um, Favola is admittedly, or admittedly, uh, just doesn't like wrestling as much as he should. Wrestling is his base. He's kind of fallen in love with his hands lately. And if he stands and strikes with Dober, it will go poorly for him. It, it really will. Um, because Dober is just a much more layered striker. He's insanely durable. He's insanely powerful. He's precise with his punches. Um, and I just think that Favola will probably get hit often and probably hurt and knocked out if it stays standing. So Favola needs to put on his wrestling shoes here, needs extended takedowns to win the fight. And I don't think he's finishing Dober on the floor. Um, you know, it, it took Islam, you know, 12 minutes to submit Dober. Uh, but Dober does get taken down. Uh, you know, Brad Riddell took him down five times. A gassed out Alex Hernandez took him down several times. Um, so if, if Frivola comes in with the right game plan, if you knew for a fact that Frivola wasn't going to fool around on the feet and was going to shoot consistent takedowns here, he would be, uh, I believe, an easy bet. But with the fact that he's just unreliable to do that, I think it makes it a, a, a tough pass. Uh, and I think well, I'm going to sit back and enjoy this one. I do see Dober eventually knocking him out here. Um, but the, the price on Dober, money line, and KO, I just can't get around to it. So I'm not really seeing any bets I like on this fight. Uh, yeah, it should be a banger here. Um, you know, Drew Dober is pretty accurate with that left hand. Um, Matt Favola 
kind of gets hit with a lot of these left hands. He, but you know, I do think he honestly. I'm telling you, you know, I kind of have a good game. I think Mafravola will go for a takedown in this fight. Um, I think against uh, uh Zaitar, he kind of knew, hey, let's get this contract extended. Let's get this 50k bonus. Um, and this guy's super square anyway. It should be easy to knock him out. Dober, I think he respects him a little more, so I do think he will mix it up here. Um, but you know, I do see a lot of people that I know that I respect their opinions. They like Dober here. Personally, I can't get there. Um, so I actually like Frivola to make this competitive, use uh, a well-rounded skill set. But I, I, I think uh, the under could still hit because you know I think he if Frivola does go for a takedown, he's uh, still gonna be looking for the finish. All right, that'll take us to the main card, which brings us to the first fight in the main card, featherweight division. Crone Gracie taking on Charles Jordan. The odds for this one, Jordan minus 175. Crone Gracie plus 150. So uh, big proponent of jiu-jitsu, Ozzy. You, you like the, the jiu-jitsu Ooh. guy, Crone's chances here? Jiu-jitsu. Um, so, yeah, respect to Crone, respect to the Gracie family. Um, you know, Hoist Gracie coming back and you know, getting uh, beat up by Matthews is what inspired me to, you know, start doing jiu-jitsu in the martial arts. So shout out to the Gracie family. Um, you know, the thing is, Akron, I don't know what he's been doing, right? I, I had heard that he went to Montana. Um, and He had like a gym going over there, but it was like a very strange, you know, thing. everything that Kron does is unorthodox and strange. Um, but, you know, I don't know who trains over there, you know, in terms of MMA aspect of things. You know, he does uh, have, you know, this style where, uh, he said that after the Cup Swanson fight, that he the reason he didn't go for the takedowns is because he wanted to prove himself, prove that he was tough. That you know Nick and Nate Diaz would make fun of him because he'd use jujitsu to win his fights instead of boxing and shit like that. So you never know. Like, is he gonna go Alex Caceres on this guy? Um, and if he doesn't, Charles Jordan should probably easily outbox um crown on the outside he can mix up his kicks pretty well um but he's a pretty weak guy overall i think um and i think if uh if crown gets even one grappling exchange i think it, it should be be pretty look pretty good for him um but ultimately i will not be pulling the trigger and supporting crown on his comeback but i do wish him well and wish uh for a victory for him this weekend man it's another fight where I think the underdog is a side, but I don't know if I'll be getting myself to, to bet him here, um, which might get annoying at, at this point. But it's just, I mean, three fights in a row here. Clark, Favola, Gracie, all three of the, uh, the underdogs have a, a clear grappling advantage. It's just a matter of can they implement it. Um, and minus 175 on Jordan. If you're, if you're considering betting that, I think you have to be extremely confident that he is able to avoid uh, the ground. And I'm not confident. I'm not, because if you watch um, the Shane Burgos fight, just 60 seconds into that fight, um, Burgos is able to get to the body lock. He, he trips him down. He's able to get a back take. It's just um, Jordan gives up the body lock too easily. He doesn't separate well. Once he gives up the body lock, he gets taken down fairly easily. And then he gets up recklessly giving up his back. So, I mean, just way too many red flags for me to trust him at this price. And then Crone, on the other hand, if you're thinking about betting him plus 150, but the guy's been off for three and a half years. I mean, he, he, he's a flat earther training in Montana, probably not exactly approaching fighting with the most, you know, realistic and centered 
point of view because he probably doesn't do that with anything in life. But uh, I heard him speaking speaking Portuguese today. You know, he is bilingual, so he's not completely uh, moronic. But I don't know, man. What, like do you yourself. Think, like do you yourself. Think, do you like think yourself. Uh, you are bless me, Um, do you think uh Hickson is proud of of Crone? Uh yes. Hmm. I I don't know. I think he's gotta do a little bit more to to live up to the Gracie name. Um well, no one cares what you think. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Grace uh Crone listens to the podcast. No, um but anyway, uh there's a apparently he's not vegan anymore, too, which which is probably good for him. Oh, that's um, a confidence increase. I didn't know that. That is big, isn't it? Yeah. Um. But like yeah, all that, all, all them, all them deer, all them antelope running around up there, can't be right. fucking vegan. No Got to eat them things. Yeah, he's exactly. like and when he used to live in L.A. He used to fucking go all like the, the juice shops and <laughs> that's like, fucking that. exactly and now he's grass like, and all this bullshit. <laughs> He goes to Montana. He goes, yeah, where can I get some good uh, falafel around here? They're like, what? <laughs> um, but uh, last thing I'll say about this fight is the fight going the distance and just the finish props here, I think, are all off. I mean, they have Jordan KO plus 155, which is 40 percent. Um, and, you know, Krone, uh, Cub just beat the shit out of Crone uh, and Crone never stopped coming forward. He took body shots, headshots, kept coming forward and looked pretty durable in that fight. And I just don't understand how anybody thinks Jordan KO is 40 percent here when we just saw Crone look pretty durable and, uh, you know, didn't quit at all in that fight. So, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I think GTD plus 220 is good. Crone decision plus 1200 is good. Just some, some weird numbers there for GTD. Um, that'll take us to the next fight, which is uh, probably one of the more le- least interesting fights in the card because it is a late-notice replacement fight. Most of our Evloya have taken on Diego Lopes. Um, apparently, I think there's a line out on DK, minus 600 for Evloyev. Uh, did you watch any footage of of Lopes? Do you have an opinion of him? Yeah, I already have an opinion of him. Well, go ahead and go ahead and give it to us. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so I mean, the the uh, um, Lopes Lopez. Why, why does he call it? Why does he does it Lopez? Anyway, um, oh, man, I just lost my train of thought. But yeah, he's mostly a submission guy, right? He'll go to his back, um, you know, throw up a lot of arm bars, throw up submissions. You know, on the feet, he's kind of like a, a Muay Thai, you know, kind of kickboxer. Um, doesn't have a ton of volume. I, I think he'll struggle um, here overall with the clinch fighting. Um, I think he'll struggle here with um, Evloyev uh, mixing up, you know, coming, going up and going down with the attack. Um, because he hasn't really fought any competition that will do. Do we even have odds? What are the odds for this? Uh, I believe minus 600 Evloyev. Minus 600 Evloyev. Yeah, so I mean, I honestly think that will probably hit. Um, obviously, you see that his submission grappling is is uh pretty good. Like he gets caught in submissions, but he gets out often. Um, he's a, a blanket on top, and he's really tenacious with the the takedowns, and he uh, chains them up pretty well. So should be able to take this guy down, smash him on ground and pound, pace him. Uh, you know, put him through the ringer. Um, so I I would favor honestly him to finish this guy, but um, but you never know with these Russians. You know how they show up. Um, but I, th- I would favor finish. Yeah, that seems like the only question to me is, will Ivoya finish? I mean, he hasn't had a finish in the UFC yet. Um, but watching Lopes, I don't think the guy is terrible, but I don't ju- I don't think he has anything that will give Ivoya trouble. One thing I do see in this fight is that once Lopes is taken down, he does attempt a lot of submissions, um, arm bars, knee bars, uh, 
guillotines. Uh, but I just think that'll kind of actually be a detriment to him here because if Loyev's sub defense is really good, I think that he will be able to defend all these subs and then it'll probably end up in him just getting, uh, you know, his guard pass or something like he's going to be in guard and then he's going to go for, you know, some sort of, uh, X guard leg lock entry, and then he's going to end up getting passed. And then, uh, if Loyev will be on top and be able to do whatever he wants. So, um, then, you know, this guy's fate is in if Loyev's hands. I think, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with him to finish. You know, I, I guess that'll be my, 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 uh, my lean here. And honestly, minus 600, I think is, is probably value because I, I don't think Lopes has, um, uh, anywhere i would give him maybe eight percent chance to win the fight here so um minus 600 uh max bet territory um next fight uh strawweight division jessica andrade yan shannon odds for this one andrade minus 200 yan shannon plus 170 so andrade coming back pretty soon after her last atrocious performance against aaron blanchfield you know got absolutely destroyed in that fight um she did fight at Lemos just a year ago at 115, but been fighting mostly at 125 lately. Um, I think, yeah, this is only her first out of her last or second out of her last six or seven fights where this is at 115. Um, I don't know, man. I just Andrade showed up to that Blanchfield fight. I don't really think that she took the fight very seriously. It was very late notice for her. Um, and, you know, I don't know. At this point in her career, I don't know if she is really, you know, taking the shit too seriously. Um, and it wouldn't completely surprise me to see her, you know, start falling off here because Andrade has always been super reliant on her uh, on her athleticism, her durability. She just comes forward, eats shit, and and comes uh, throwing more strikes at you. At a certain point, her physicality isn't going to continue to allow that, and we might be approaching that territory here. Um, just. Uh, I mean, she's only 31, but she's had a long, long career. Um, so on the feet, when this fight is at distance, I, I really think that Yan is going to be very competitive here. Um, as long as Yan matches the, the volume of Andrade, I think that she's going to land. I mean, look at the Aaron Blanchfield striking never looked so good. Uh, everyone in that fight thought, oh, Andrade will torture on the feet. Next thing you know, Aaron Blanchfield is throwing one twos and they're connecting every single time on the chin of Andrade. I mean, Andrade's head just stays completely on the center line. So... Jan has a good chance to outbox her when the fight is on the feet. It's just Andrade has that that big moment upside where she could just land a big punch and it could swing the round her way. She also has the potential to land takedowns here with Jan's uh, bottom game being pretty bad. Uh, but Jan has also gone for her good amount of takedowns throughout her career. She might mix in her own here. So I just think this fight will play out closer than minus 200. I'd say minus 150 is about right for Andrade. So there's a value on Jan here. I think I will end up with a, a small bet on her and uh yeah i mean i don't it's just the thing about Jan is she, she's not gonna pull away in this fight that i don't think at any point she's gonna like have the the, the fight in the bag or she's gonna be up 2-0 or something like that i think it will be a, a closely lined fight throughout in the live line but i think yeah I, i'll pick Jan. um goes the distance here man minus 132 i mean what the hell man I, they're women they're women after all aren't they all right all right all right all right yeah i don't know about this fight you know i think the main thing that you know i recognize is this fight's back down at 115 and just gondrage hits hard as fuck and jean shana she throws those stupid ass little flicking little jabs those stupid ass kicks she's there to be hit and you know jessica andrage might just clobber her into another dimension I think 
you are disrespecting the power that Jessica Andrade has. And, you know, the fact that it was at a different weight class, that last fight was on short notice. We cut a we give a lot of guys excuses. Guys, I will say. Guys excuses when they take a short notice fight, different weight class, all these things. Oh, we talk why 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 do we hate Jessica Andrade so much? I cut, I cut her some slack. I cut her some slack. No, you were brutal, bro. Most no, people I, been brutal. I'm pretty sure I literally said that I cut her. you gotta give her some, some slack. Excuse me then. But most people have, I think, not recognized that or um, and, you know, I just think that Jean Chanel, she just does not have a game that I respect, you know, even in the women's division. And I think that just and it's not compatible to beating a girl like Jessica Andrade that many times. So I just think Jessica has seen this, uh, what, what Jean Chanel is going to bring to her. She's going to be able to prevail. So I'll go with Jessica again, you know, to get a bounce back and uh, get back in the winning column. Now, you did endorse Lauren Murphy not too long ago uh, against Andrade, correct? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. That one, yeah. I, I, interesting that you're selling the stocks here. I mean, I, I feel like... That was at 125. That was out of 125. Yeah, you, I feel like you've been historically pretty low on, on Yan Shannon. Um, so I, I, let's hope you underestimate her one more time. I think I'll only end up with like a three quarters. Maybe, maybe, maybe I was, yeah, maybe when I, uh, bet Carla Esparza against her. Oh no, that was good. Yeah, no, we, but everybody bet that. Um, anybody coming event time, uh, kind of a late notice fight here put together to buff up the card. I I think it, I'm excited for this one. I was happy to hear it. It was announced, um, Bilal Muhammad taking on Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns, slight favorite, minus 125. Bilal coming back, plus 125, or 105, excuse me. When the line came out, I believe Burns was uh, yeah, minus 180. Bilal, plus 140-something. Got bet down pretty heavily. Um, I believe it's your turn to start this one off. Comey in event, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I love this fight. Love that it got put together. I love Gilbert Burns. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm supporting him here this week. Um, you know, I feel that this is a, a, a tough fight. This fight's going to, you know, be be difficult for both guys because both guys really want it. Both guys are very well-rounded. Um, and typically, they, they kind of are able to control where the fight goes and they, they focus on trying to control where the fight goes. Um, but, you know, Gilbert, I think, is maybe a little, is more open, you know, to, to, to letting, uh, to, to letting, you know, just brawling. Um, but I, I, I do think here that Bilal... His, his his run of some of these things have gone a little overrated. You know, at the end of the day, the Brady fight was a bit closer. I feel that people give it credit uh, up until Brady just, you know, gassed out or whatever it is. And uh, and, and Bilal started unloading on him. You know, Bilal, his attributes that he brings to the table, he's got a great jab. He's been mixing in his right hand, you know, really, really well. And he does have some sneaky underrated kicks uh, also. But he he's really a one-two kind of guy. Um, you know, the clinch striking isn't really, you know, his thing. Like, you know, he's kind of shown some some areas of uh wrestling, you know, in his fights, like the Wonder Boy fight and a few of his other ones. But he hasn't really shown too much in the clinch, hasn't shown too much of a submission game. He almost got guillotined by Wonder Boy for God's sakes. Um, so I, I, I do think that people are underrating that the fact that Gilbert Burns can go five rounds, you know, I it is how I'm going into this feeling. I, I don't think that um Bilal has some, you know, uh tremendous advantage in the later rounds tremendous advantage with the cardio because when gilbert burns is in there he's landing strikes 
Um, and when Gilbert Burns is in there, if he's not landing strikes, he's kind of going for takedowns. And this guy on the mat is world class. Third uh, in ADCC 2015, you know, uh, won the uh, world championships at black belt with the Gi. Beat Kron Gracie, I think, in the finals of one of the one of the tournaments actually, which is kind of funny uh, to think about. And his striking has been uh, improving. His kicks, you know, haven't been improving. Uh, and this guy's hungry. I think he's in the best shape of his life. And I just think all all signs point to him. Uh, maybe you could get out live, you know, uh, at some point because uh, because it is going to be a, a competitive fight. But I like Burns. I like Burns to potentially finish this as well. So I like the KO price. I think it was like 450. Um, But yeah, I'm going to uh, support Burns here. A uh, little less than a two unit play for me. Wow. I'm surprised. Gilberto. Um, Gilberto. I got Bilal here. Um, and. You know, the, you mentioned something about Burns cardio, but man, I'm just thinking. I mean, I know the Hamza Chimaya fight was a crazy pace. Those first two rounds were were a, a wild pace, but in round three, he was dead tired in that that third round. And against Masvidal, when the fight went his way, when he was fighting a, a washed up bum uh, in in Masvidal, uh, he was able to be fresh in round three of that fight. But I just think this fight is going to be high tempo, um, and I think that Bilal's never going to stop coming. And I do think Bilal has a pretty defined cardio advantage in rounds three, four, and five here. I think the first two rounds are going to be rough for Bilal. I could see Bilal potentially losing the first two rounds uh, because, um, you know, I think the striking here has potential to be close for either guy could win the striking. Uh, And then, you know, Burns has, you know, a pretty clear defined grappling advantage here where he doesn't necessarily need to get takedowns. He could just get the fight to the cage and maybe get a little trip takedown off there. It's not like he needs open space takedowns. Um, Bilal's takedown defense, though, is, you know, very, very good. 92% career historical uh, takedown defense. Um, But this will be probably the the, one of the better uh, wrestlers he's ever fought. so uh, it'll 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 be tested here, but I, I think that his takedown defense is good enough. I think that his his will to win is really really strong. Even if he loses the first two rounds here, I think he's going to keep coming forward and work back from that deficit. And I don't know, man. I'm just I'm very very skeptical of Burns' cardio. Uh, both these guys have gone five rounds one time. Burns was against Tyron Woodley, which requires no cardio. And then Bilal's was, you know, kind of a dogfight against Bilal Muhammad, where he was definitely the fresher fighter down the stretch and, uh, you know, dominated the second half of that fight. So I just think uh, the the cardio is the biggest reason I'm picking Bilal here. I don't like him as a bet because I think he will drop their first round or two, and you'll probably be able to live bet Bilal here at a better price than what you are currently. But, um, Really, really fun fight. Wouldn't be shocked to see either guy win. Um, but I do think this fight sees the championship rounds pretty confident. It starts round four, should go to five, and eventually stretch to see the decision. So uh, I'm I'm probably going to look to play this fight going uh, going long um, in some form. Um, and that'll bring us to the main event on the card. Uh, former champion Henry Cejudo, double champion, making his long-awaited debut, or long-awaited comeback three years with no fights coming to uh, try to dethrone uh, the tri-state king right now, Aljamain Sterling, the champion of the 135 division. The odds for this one, Henry Cejudo, minus 116. Aljamain Sterling, minus 104 on Bet Online right now. We've seen this line ba- bounce back and forth a little bit. I think it'll probably stay about, you know, pick them. Maybe one guy will go to minus 120. 
but wouldn't before uh, I, I I get into my analysis, um, would you be would you be surprised, Ozzy, to see like one guy you know get you know steamed here to like minus one thirty forty, or do you think it's it's gonna stay? I think there'll be buyback. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised that maybe someone bets big one way or another, but I do think that the other side would drop. Yeah, like I I, I think I would be surprised to see either guy touch uh, minus one twenty five here. Um, but I like Aljo in this fight. I have a, a two unit bet on him minus one oh five. Um, I just think Aljamain um, can win the fight on the feet or he can win the fight on the ground. Uh, you know, obviously that could be said about both guys here, but I think with, with Sterling's uh, back take game, his body triangle game, I just think that that's such a clear defined, like round winning ability in this fight um, that that's a big advantage. If the fight stays in the feet, I just think that Aljamain has a really good chance to outstrike Cejudo with that range and volume of his. We haven't seen it too much lately. We, we, saw, we saw bits and pieces of it in the Peter Yan fights, um, but obviously the most notable example is the Jimmy Rivera fight, the uh, Pedro Munoz fight, just tremendous output and pressure in those fights. Um, just really good use of his length, uh, his straight punches, his, his front kicks up the middle, some leg kicks, just uh, really, really beautiful striking on display there in those fights. And I just think that could really work here uh, against Cejudo with uh, who's going to be at a size and reach disadvantage. Um, you got you to factor in Sterling's much more active. He's the more natural bantamweight. He's the bigger guy. He's fought much more recently. Cejudo, three-year layoff. Um, his fights at 135 so far have been Marlon Marais, who is, was at the tail end of his career, uh, Dominic Cruz, who was at the tail end of his career. Um, and, you know, it's, he didn't exactly blow the doors off of either of those fights. I mean, he won the, the Cruz one pretty uh, decisively, but the, the Marias fight was him getting beat up until Marias gassed, and then he was able to take over there, um, which could happen here because Aljamain Sterling's uh, cardio has been suspect, has been worrisome, uh, you know, won the first rounds of three rounds of the, the Peter Yan rematch, and then was pretty gassed out in rounds four and five there. Um, but I'm just going with Aljo. Um, he, he's bigger, he's younger, he's more active. Uh, Suhudo is 36 years old, and there's a statistic going out, going around out there where um, fighters above the age of 35 in the weight classes of flyweight to um, welterweight are two and 28 in title fights. Two wins, 28 losses in title fights. Both of those wins are Tyron Woodley. So basically, no UFC fighter in history uh, at Beneath 170 pounds, besides Tyron Woodley, has ever won a UFC title fight, which is just a fucking crazy statistic. So, Suhudo might break the mold here, but to me, Suhudo just has way more question marks with the size, with him fighting a, a real prime bantamweight, with him coming off the layoff, uh, with him being 36 now, haven't fought in three years. I mean, all, all those are way too many red flags for me to be backing him at Pick'em here. So, uh, to me, at Pick'em, clear side is Aljo uh and I'll be in attendance rooting for him New Jersey New York uh, tri-state area will be behind him uh and uh you know I think we'll still we'll see and still on Saturday night what are you thinking here yeah this is a really intriguing fight for me um you know I, I definitely respect both guys uh you know big fan of uh Aljamain Sterling's uh, I think he's one of the best grapplers, uh, you know, in the in the whole sport overall. And uh, Henry Cejudo, you know, the guy's very precise, you know, uh, really, really good striking, really, really quick, you know, his uh, reactions. Um, and he's kind of developed uh, to, to his strengths, uh, to uh, cater to his strengths with a lot of the techniques that he's chosen. Um, so, you know, the way I see this fight going 
you know, I think that Henry needs to really, really uh, land big strikes on Aljamain. Um, you know, at some point, you know, he did earhole uh, uh, TJ Dillashaw pretty easily. So that 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 is the one thing that I do respect, like the speed that he has, like how he him and kind of like a guy like Pitbull are able to find a huge, huge big punches on guys, right? And makes these uh, strikes count when he uh, when he does get in there. So I am concerned a little bit with Sterling slowing down with this big weight cut and all these kinds of things. Um, you know, we, we've seen him, you know, slow down in those Peter Yan fights overall. Um, and I do think that this will be a contentious fight. So I actually kind of like, you know, trying to play uh, some kind of prop on Sterling to finish, right? To get some kind of like rear naked choke on, on Cejudo or just put Cejudo away. Um, because I do think there's going to be an energy uh, intensive fight uh because Cejudo is not going to go away easily um I think and uh and for Aljamain to continue his pressure and all these kinds of things I think is uh it's going to put him in positions uh ideally that uh that cater to a finish to him catching Henry in a choke to get him you know getting Henry to shoot on him a takedown on him and locking in a submission on him from the bottom or you know in a front choke or you know a lot of these kind of chokes these guys are working from the front headlock uh I think are, are really dangerous here um, but I do kind of see how Henry could, you know, start to to wear on on Sterling uh, if Aljo is not able to keep up his grappling pace when they kind of lock up in some of these positions where Henry could just start, you know, unloading on striking strikes because he is a little bit, I think, more active in the clinch with like more traditional strikes than Aljamain is uh, where he can kind of like uh, build on those and he kind of stays uh, in form uh and in the right positions more often where sterling sometimes he's trying to do too uh, too much on unorthodox things even when he's tired like when he's trying to like do all these spins and stuff like that against uh peter yan and only puts him in worse and worse positions uh so who knows the guy who could really make you pay and uh and put big strikes on you when you do that but i'll still pick Aljamain. i am con contractually obligated uh to pick sterling yeah, my 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 feeling is just like Aljo minus one thirty, minus one thirty five. I mean, slight favorite with all these things got going for him. So I like him here. Um, so so far I am on Aljo, uh, Verna, Zolgosh, Holmes, and the under in the Porter fight. I think I will get there to a smaller bet on Hawes and Yan Shanan. Um, tempted by but passing on Frivola, Clark, Crone, Gracie. Um, might end up with a play on, uh, Daniel or yeah, Daniel Willie cat Santos. Um, and, uh, I believe the, uh, the goes to distance in the Bilal fight and maybe the goes to distance in the Chrome fight too. So a lot of bets on the board. I like this week, 14 fights. I will be there in attendance and, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll meet up with some people there who we're, we're friendly with and, uh, yeah, should be a great card. So, um, <laughs> Maybe maybe Ozzy will pop out. Hopefully, I, don't, hopefully. I don't know where Ozzy. I'm gonna. I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I I got I got some stuff going on, but you know, I I didn't commit to the to the event. But uh, I'm most likely. I'm probably like forty percent. Didn't you say you got a bunch of warrants in Jersey too, though? So maybe that. Man, it's just a Prudential Center, man. It's the absolute worst arena out of any of these places. And then that thing ends at like one a.m. Like I'm gonna get back home at like three a.m. It's like nothing fun to do around. Like if there was honestly, there's something fun to do around there. I I like to make stuff an event. So I mean, <laughs> I just I'm not sure, man. 
if there's something to do over there before like after it's like well it's the home of the devils bro so it makes sense why it's kind of i'm just telling you i've gone there so many times and uh usually the the one where chao and john jones uh man that was the worst event i've ever been to in my life so (laughs) rather not relive that all right well um thank you all for listening hope you all enjoyed the fights this weekend win some bets and we'll see you all before the next ufc event peace out everyone Thank you.